Welcome to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. Well, hey, everyone. We're so glad you're with us today for the Leadership Podcast. And I have a great friend. We've been friends for a number of years. Shannon Miles is with us today. And you guys are going to really enjoy hearing from Shannon. I want to give you a bit of her bio. And then we're going to jump into conversation because I think what Shannon has to share about her story, uh, about their business, and how that applies to us as leaders is so powerful. So let me tell you about Shannon. She is the CEO of a company called Belay, uh, an Inc. 500 fastest growing company and winner of Culture IQ and Entrepreneur's number one company culture awards. I hope you heard those because that's a big deal. You You guys know how much I love culture and the importance of it. Since 2010, the company has grown to nearly 700 team members and serves nearly 1,000 clients on a daily basis. So this is not small potatoes. Whether through team development or balanced mentoring, Shannon is passionate about serving others and inspiring them to live life more fully while firmly remaining her own worst critic. I love that. That doesn't go away, right? So <laughs> I wish it would. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, here's one of my favorite things. While on Necker Island with Richard Branson, who was like, one day, I hope to meet this guy. So Shannon's my link to Richard Branson. She learned that if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. Uh, Shannon lives in Atlanta with her family. So Shannon, thanks so much for being here. We're glad to have you on the show. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So fun. So we connected probably like, do you think it's like, um, are we approaching 10 years since it, we first met? It has to be because you worked with my husband, Brian, in your former lives in, you know, working at the church and he was building churches at the time. And, um, I know that we connected at least before we started Belay, but I really enjoyed like face to face time with you after we started the company too, because I was, I was still learning the church space and it was so refreshing to just get to talk to you and get your perspective on what you were seeing globally and and all the work that you were doing with other churches too. So yeah, it's, it's at least been eight, if not 10 years. Yeah. I know. It's so crazy. Like I was starting to do the math and, you know, of course at this stage of life, I just don't think I'm aging. And then I start to do the math of like how like long I've been friends with certain people. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. For real. That's yeah. yeah I, I still have those moments where I'm like, how can I be married 21 years when I'm still in my twenties? Like that doesn't make any sense at all. It's like, Oh wait, cause you're 40. That's right. Why. Yeah, yeah. This math doesn't work somehow. Yeah. But I have, I have, you know, it, and people will we'll let our listeners get a little bit of your story because I think it's so powerful. Just the journey that you and your husband Brian have been on. I have been so grateful to have uh, an adjacent seat to that because we've, you know, we've we've connected through the years and just always had just, you know, you're one of those kindred spirits. One of those people who. I feel like really understands and is wired to think similarly to how I think. And that's always something I've admired and appreciated about you and really admired and appreciated your drive and commitment to finding a way to, you know, we're going to talk about your book here in a bit. Um, but this, you, what you talk about is the third option and just mm-hmm. not settling for status quo, but really figuring out how do I live a really significant and meaningful life doing things that I love. So mm-hmm. uh, before we dive into all that though, tell us just a little bit about your story today what you do, who you are, your family. Give us a little picture of Shannon's world. 
The Shannon overview. Let's see. So as you mentioned in the bio, Brian and I are co-CEOs of Belay, which is an incredible gift to, to lead this growing organization with people who like I genuinely love working with on a daily basis. Um, So we've been doing that for about eight years now and um, are still learning every day. Um, We have two kids. Rainy is almost 13, about to start seventh grade. And then Harper, our son is almost 10 and is going into the fourth grade. So they keep us busy. We love traveling with them. It's one of our family values. Um, we think that travel really opens up experiences and, and new opportunities and perspectives. Um, so that's high priority for our family. Um, yeah, we live in Atlanta and my dog moose is like my little sidekick. He's with me all the time meet, when I'm working from home. I have yet to meet moose. I've seen pictures and probably seen him on video, but like, I'm a dog person. So, you know, we, Moose and I would be fast friends. I'm pretty sure. Fast friends. So she's a Shoshan. She's an eight pound, like half Shih Tzu, half Bichon. And like that, that breed is just totally attracted to the maternal figure. So the kids joke, like she's my favorite child. And I'm like, (laughs) not every day, like some days, sure, but not every day. That's awesome. That's so good. That's so good. Awesome. Yeah. One of the things I am, and again, you know, your story will help flesh this out a little bit more, but you mentioned loving travel. And that's one of the things I see your family do so intentionally mm-hmm. is travel together. And those experiences and things are really, and, and again, you know, we're going to talk about uh, your book, the third option. And, you know, I, that is what the, the work that you've done has allowed for you guys to have the space to travel and to have the experiences that you have as a family. So yeah. um, your book is called The Third Option, Why a Woman Doesn't Have to Choose Between a Career and Family, but Can Actually Have Both and Succeed. So yeah. like right then, all the women in the listening, their ears perked up a little bit to, okay, tell us more, because that's probably what all of us are like dying to figure out. So tell us about yeah. what led you to write, write the book. Give us a little bit more of just the overview of, of the book and why you wrote it. And let me give a shout out to Don Miller. Cause he's the one that wrote that tagline for me. Oh, <laughs> of course, story brand. Thanks. Of Don. course, story brand. You know, you, you sometimes can't see the forest for the trees and I have this like, you know, abstract title of the third option that nobody knows what that is. And I came up with a similarly abstract tagline. And Don's like, yeah, that's, that's not good. Like, he, what about this? And I was like, can I copy it like word for word, put quotes around it? He's like, sure, it's fine. It's awesome. Well, and you're giving them some credit back. So yeah, okay. <laughs> we love those guys. They help us out at Belay too. That's anyway, so um, I had had the idea for the third option in my heart for probably three or four years before I actually started writing it. Hmm. And I don't know if you experienced this in your um, journey for writing your books or not, but it's just a very um, intimidating mm-hmm. thing to put your totally. story, your thoughts out there for the world to be, uh, to, to review and judge and, and critique. Um, but I had to get over that in order to get the book out because I had an epiphany at a conference that I went to that like, I wasn't writing the book for myself. I was writing it for women who needed to read it yes. to be inspired to make a change. And it breaks my heart when I see women who feel trapped, whether they feel trapped, like I have to stay at home because I have kids, even though I loved my job or they feel trapped that I have to work this 50, 60 hour a week corporate job with a crazy commute and sacrifice my family 
because I've got to pay the bills. Like either way, it's heartbreaking. Right. And so I wrote the book to open up people's eyes and perspectives to all of these third options in between, which for me, when I started this journey, looked like a part-time work from home position that was crafted out of my corporate role. Sure. And for other people, it looks different, but um, I just wanted to, to inspire people to at least consider like you don't have to choose between those two. There's more options than that. Yeah. So give us a little bit of that part of your story. You know, so you were, you were working corporate, like and you were in sales. So you had a crazy busy job as I understand it, like, you know, just all up and to the right, like really uh, going after that dream job. And you guys decide to start a family and that really triggers this, Oh wait, um, this is all not working. So give us a little glimpse of that part of your story. You know, I had worked at that point for a company that I loved for about four years and had finally attained the sales position that I had worked for, had the territory that I wanted, like all the things, loved climbing the ladder, loved working, been working since I was 10, like loved it. And then, so it's like, yeah, let's have a baby. That sounds like a great idea. (laughs) And so the plan was just to, you know, get a nanny and go back to work and had not financially planned for anything different. At that time, Brian was selling too. He was, um, was he with Kogan then? I think he was. Yeah. I think he was with Kogan then like traveling like a crazy person. So, um, we just thought this is our path. Like I didn't ever want to be a stay at home mom. I wanted to continue working. So that was the plan. Sure. I did that. I went back to work after my three month maternity leave in 2005 after having rainy and realized very quickly this instinct, this desire in me had turned on. Like when she was born, I was like, I have to protect and care for this baby. I can't just leave her all these hours. But at the same time, like I said, we hadn't planned on me staying home. So this part-time position had been crafted while I was on leave. And I went to my boss about four months after returning to work and just said, look, I love the company. I love my job. I've learned like crazy here. Um, but this baby's like wrecked me. Like I, I need the ability to, um, to stay home with her. Sure. So can I do this part-time job, phase out, finish well, and, and then stay home? And he said, no. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Cause okay. I'm pretty sure God told me that's what I was supposed to say. <laughs> like, right? And he was like, no, you know, yeah. we'll just, we'll just look at your, your territory. Like, you, you know, you'll, we'll make it work. It's okay. And it was just going to be an inconvenience for him to replace me. Right. Of course. Yeah. So I was so convicted that that was the right thing. And I went home, talked to Brian that night and went back the next day and I went to my boss's boss and I said, Mark, <laughs> I love the company, love my job, love what I'm doing. Can't do it anymore. Like I cannot, something's got to give. Right. And I had earned some credibility with Mark and he really was the catalyst for my third option because he Mm -hmm. said, sure, like, let's, let's figure this out. And the plan was just to work part-time for a season to get paid out some back commissions Mm -hmm. because we didn't have the money to have me quit. But then Jenny, that, that part-time thing just kept working for the next six years. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. And, and there's a couple of things just even hearing that, that I want our listeners to pay attention to, because first, what stands out to me is your uh, commitment and conviction as a woman saying, there's got to be a way to make this work. I think a lot of times for women, it's like, well, it's got to be one or the other. I think mm-hmm. even for myself, I don't know this to be hundred percent true, but most of you all know I, we didn't end up having children of our own. Mm-hmm. And that was primarily because I was really passionate about the work I was doing. And honestly, I just didn't think it was really like possible for me to keep 
climbing the ladder, so to speak, keep doing the things I really felt called to. I worked both in corporate and in ministry and I was really deeply like passionate about the work I was doing. And so it never seemed like an option for me to, to really consider having children of my own. Mm -hmm. And I think if that had been more of a passion, I may have worked harder like you did to go, okay, there's gotta be another way. But I do think it was kind of uh, there was probably a sense of, ah, that's a door that would be really hard for me to push open. So just stay on this track. And yeah. my sense is there's a lot of other women listening who maybe your story's like mine. Maybe your story is uh, you ended up saying, okay, I just have to quit work to go raise a family. And Shannon, I think you're one of the rare ones who said, no, there's got to be another way to do this. And your mm-hmm. commitment to the tenacity to, to figure it out and to mm-hmm. understand your employer and what they needed. And, and, And when you read the book, you hear a lot more of your intentionality in figuring out how do I make sure they are well served? Yeah. Employer gets what they need. I've got to be understanding of that, but then also figuring out how does this work for me? Mm -hmm. So there's a ton of things that we probably don't have time to go into, but everybody can go get the book and read a little (laughs) bit more of those details. Uh, But I also want, uh, particularly the men who are listening, also hopefully you haven't tuned out yet, because I think it's really important (laughs) for you guys realize these are the tensions that women face. And I think your boss, Mark, uh, was wise enough to recognize, I don't want to lose a great employee. Right. Because she also wants to raise a family. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like he, you know, I don't know all of his processing behind, behind his decision to say, yes, we will find a way. But he was really like, there was something in him that said, it is not worth risking a great employee uh, we've got to find the third option. And so I think it's important for both of us to kind of both employee and employer to recognize uh, the importance of this. And it's a growing conversation, yeah. right? And I mean, I think we're seeing more and more companies having to recognize we have to find more flexible options in order to keep and retain great people. Would you say totally? And, and that was almost 13 years ago. Yeah. yeah. That so really charting the way in that. Yeah. And I think Mark realized too, like you don't want an employee working for you who doesn't feel like they can do a great job in the role that they're in. For sure. You want somebody who's in the right role for that season of their lives. Yeah. And I think so many times it's like, no, we'll just put some band-aids on it. Like you just need to work harder. You just need to get over, you know, this, these other constraints and they don't go away. I mean, part of that journey for us was, should Brian be the one to stay home? You know, we're making about the same amount of money. Um, but we ultimately decided he had more long-term potential with the work that he was doing. So I, you know, it is definitely a strain that women face. I think more and more men are facing the same kind of strain because of, you know, positions that women are taking in the workforce, but as a leader, as an employer, I feel like, my whole team is living out their third option, you know, and we've been able to grow a very large organization based on people who want to work from home, mm-hmm. want to get the job done and do it incredibly well, want to be connected to an organization that has purpose and meaning and is doing good work in the world. Mm-hmm. And then, but that they want to be able to be there when the kids get off the bus. Like, and I think that's true for the men and the women that sure. work for us. Like we've had, so many guys on our team who um, have been part of their homeschooling for their kids or Mm -hmm. whose wives travel a lot for work and somebody needs to be there helping to manage the home. So I think we're seeing it blend more and more short leads more toward, um, toward women or organizations primarily composed of women, Mm -hmm. but 
we'll do $22 million in sales this year. So there is a way to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about that for a minute. So you proposed this option uh, mm-hmm. with your employer at that time. Yeah. And then fast forward a couple of years and you and Brian step out and you, you launch what is now Belay, mm-hmm. but basically creating this for yourselves and for others. So give us that story yeah. of the transition from doing this with the company you were working with and then starting your company. It is so cool to look back and see all the threads that God put in our lives to be able to have belay be a thing. So like that whole third option for me ended up being the business model that we used to staff the virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and now webmasters that power the business. And so even that and like sales position and project management position and legal position in that corporation, all of those things were needed to start the business. Yeah. And so, yeah, in 2010, both of us sort of reached this point where we knew God was pulling us to a greater change than just the next position in the company. Like for me personally, things had gotten super toxic at that corporation. And it, it started to affect who I was as a person, my relationships. It just got really, really icky. And so I was like, Oh, I'll get another position at at the company or maybe I'll work for a different healthcare company. But it became very clear based on the doors that were closing or not opening at all that God was like, no, this, this change that I'm calling to you, uh, you too is much bigger than this. So very long story short, we decided in the summer of 2010, Brian was coming to a similar inflection point in his role at his company that that was the time to finally start the business that we had always been talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'd always had, always had the desire to have something of our own, but didn't know exactly what that should look like. So Brian was working with his virtual assistant, Trisha in uh, Charlotte, we're here in Atlanta and knew that this model worked. Like you could really get a tremendous amount of work done with an assistant who wasn't in the same space as you, but had very clear direction and, and, basically the ability to be your right hand. Um, And if we could only apply that model to ministry and serve pastors, they could be able to access amazing talent for a fraction of the cost and really expand their ministry. So that's where we started, Jenny. We started serving the church in the fall of that year, really built it up, quit our jobs on the same day. Um, So brave. Brian and I, yeah, we gave notice on my birthday. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, we wanted to finish well, because if this whole thing went bust, like we needed to go back and get those jobs. So it took us a couple of months to wrap up all of that work. So that's why we mark like December 1st, 2010 is like the first day of uh, us on payroll for Belay. Sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, you know, and I love the, uh, first the, the, the bravery and the commitment to say, no, this is working this it's different. It's unique. And for our entrepreneurs and business leaders listening, you know, that's, that's always how ideas are birthed is something that we're kind of figuring out and seeing in our own life. And then, uh, you know, testing the waters of it and going, okay, I think there's something here. And now we need to really, you know, help other people get access to this. And, you know, I have in the churches that I've worked with, I've worked with both pastors who have hired um, assistance through Belay. And then I have encouraged friends who have become employees of you guys, yeah. that, yep. you know, our virtual assistants for you. And, uh, and so I've seen the benefit on both sides of it. And that's one of the things that I love about uh, Belay and what you guys have done is you really do understand both sides of this dynamic. You know, you've been the woman who needed the third option. You needed another way to kind of manage life. And then you guys are also the employer who's creating the third options, 
the third option for great people. Like you're helping yeah. great people get back into the workforce or, or stay in the workforce right. and provide services to other leaders that are just a phenomenal support. And you mentioned starting out with businesses, but I know that you guys now have virtual assistants that are working with all types of leaders in all different oh, yeah. industries, right? Yeah. So we had our Oprah moment in 2011 when Mike Hyatt tweeted out, Hey, looking for a virtual assistant, anybody know a company? And a handful of our clients were like, you got to check out this organization. And it, it was one of those like watershed moments in our business where we had just been serving pastors, a couple of exceptions here and there, but primarily the church sector. And Mike's like, this service is amazing. Like, other guys like me need this. Why would you not open this up? And we're like, well, you know, it's so hard when you're starting a company, like you to know exactly where you need to focus or how narrow or how broad, and you don't want to miss opportunity, but you can't take it on all at once. And so right. we spent the last half of the year serving him and of, of 2011, serving him and really thinking about what it would look like if we expanded to mm-hmm. beyond just the church. So we decided to rebrand and, and actually do that in 2012 and start serving businesses and, yeah. and solopreneurs and consultants and, you know, way outside of the church space. And that's really where we saw that particular service line of virtual assistant take off. Yeah. Um, bookkeeping was was traditionally with the church for us. Like we were, we were solely doing church and nonprofit bookkeeping up until last year when we started launching into for-profit space. So the two services there have been a little bit different in terms of trajectory, but sure. yeah, we're serving all church and nonprofit and for-profit small and large. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I work with a lot of leaders who, you know, both in some of the churches that I work with, some of the businesses that I work with, and they're really wrestling with how to provide more flexibility, remote working options, but they, you know, I think, and, and I wrestle with right now, my team is all virtual. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's a different skill set. It's a different dynamic as a leader to get comfortable with how do I know that they're doing what they should be doing and right. am I providing enough clarity and am I communicating? Well, like it's, it's, it's caused me to learn, get sharper in some of those skills that I might've been previously where my team was just with me in the office. And in fact, you say in your book, um, a fundamental lack of trust is the biggest barrier for companies to get over when they're considering doing uh, creating third options. So why do you think this is, and what do we as leaders need to do about that? Like if we're, you know, cause we're kind of sensing you're giving us plenty of understanding of why it's important to think about creating third option and creating opportunities to engage employees in different ways. So, you know, what do I as a leader need to know and understand in order to be able to kind of just be open to creating those, yeah. creating those third options? I think the first step is recognizing that this is where the workforce is heading. Yeah, it really is. I think you can take somebody that's sort of in our, our generation who maybe has aging parents that they're going to have to figure out care for and need flexibility for um, taking on the primary responsibility for that all the way through to the millennial generation who went to college started working in a company and we're like, Oh no, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I want more freedom and flexibility. Like I'm going to craft my own third option. And so we're seeing it across a lot of different demographics. So the first thing I would say for a leader is recognize that's just, you know, remote work 
flexible working, distributed teams is the trend that we're seeing. That's where the workforce is heading. Um, I think people are realizing that it's actually a very affordable way to run a business Mm -hmm. and um, that it it does take trust and communication, but so does working in an office with somebody. Just because you can see them doesn't mean that you actually know what they're going through or working on or producing. For sure. Some of the same tenets that apply to a traditional corporate job apply when you're working virtually. You have to be super clear on what the job is. Mm-hmm. You have to hire to your core values and make sure that you have a great cultural fit and a skill set fit. You have to review that job description with that employee and make sure that what they're doing on a day-to-day basis is aligning with what you hired them for. Maybe something shifted in the, the company or the position, or maybe they're not great at one particular part of their job description that you hired them for. You have to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think it is incumbent on a remote worker to over-communicate to their employer. Right. Right. You have to. Yeah. The the threshold of communication when you're working virtually is so much higher Mm -hmm. because you're not going to run into them in the break room. Totally. Right? Yep. And the importance of that communication going both ways. And in a minute, I want you to get into that, like, you know, as that... Uh, employee or contractor or whatever, who's working remotely, like your responsibility back to your leader. Cause I think that's sometimes where I think those of us in the leadership seat who are considering hiring more virtual yeah. staff will be fearful of, Oh, well, how do I even test for, how do I know that they'll actually do what they need to do? And so there's probably even, I'm suspecting some, uh, it probably shapes even how you are hiring those workers. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Part of our vetting process is just seeing how the applicant communicates with us. Mm-hmm. How quick are they to respond? How thorough is their communication? Is it clear? Mm-hmm. Um, does it does it take you know three days for them to get back when typically it would take a day? Like for other applicants, like all of that stuff during the interview process, they're telling you how they're going to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it is. It is nuanced when you're, you're working virtually, but a lot of the same like hiring, you know, premises and, and criteria still fit. Um, I would say as a leader, one of the things that you have to do when you're considering a virtual team is be intentional about communicating your vision, your why mm-hmm. for the, the things that you're working on, because you, you can't just like lob tasks over the fence and say, good luck. Right you know, call me if you have any questions, like you really have to bring that team member into the fold so that they can have a good sense of what you're working on and and fill in the gaps. Yeah. You know, like for us as a corporation, so our leadership team, um, has every year we set defining objectives. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's, you know, categories like growing revenue, market momentum, team development, and uh, client success. Okay. And so within that, we have very specific criteria. How do we know we're winning in those areas, right? Specific metrics. We share that with all of our corporate team so that every month they see what's important to us, Mm -hmm. where they fit in it, you know, what are they able to contribute to those metrics and then um, how we're tracking against them. You know, some of them we're knocking out of the park. Some of them, we have some more work to do, but we want to be transparent and over communicate with them so that when they're day to day in their house, doing their calls or making their sales or paying them bills, like they know globally what the organization is up to. I think that's so important for a leader. 
Yeah, and how they align with it. And I think in all of that, I'm putting myself in the shoes of that leader who is thinking about how do I engage somebody virtually. And I think as I look at my history as a leader, I think sometimes when I would hire somebody to do some contract work or do some remote work of some kind, it was usually like a one-off Uh, you know, for a special project or something. So I think a lot of us come from that mentality of what used to be the old contract type of work scenario where you had a short-term project-based thing. And so you hired a contractor to do it and you basically gave them the task and a deadline and expected them to come back with it. And you really didn't integrate them into the team in any form or fashion. And For some cases, that was probably just the nature of what you needed and what you were hiring specifically for. But in this case, when we're talking about actually creating third options, really talking about um, increasing our virtual staff and and remote working staff, then we've got to really see them as actual members of the team and not like these add-ons. And I think that's a mindset for us as leaders. I'm just like, this is my own personal process. No, you're dead on. Keep going. Keep going. But I think it's exactly what my peers and a lot of the leaders listening to are wrestling with is that we as leaders have to make a mindset shift around how do we engage them and actually see them as part of our whole team. Because yeah. unintentionally, we will leave them on the sidelines or not include them in communication, especially if you have some uh, workers who are, you know, in the office with you, and then you have some remote workers. If you have a hybrid organization, that even compounds the issue. Yes. You guys are all virtual, correct? We're like Fully distributed. Yep. 700, like I love that phrase too, fully distributed. That's actually a, a great a great. I'm sure that's intentional <laughs> that you guys say it. I just like it too. I just, I've been saying it a lot lately. I hope people know what it means. Yeah. We all work from home or, yeah. or from the mountains or wherever we are, <laughs> wherever you are. So, but so, and, and we said earlier in the bio, you guys were named number one company culture in entrepreneur magazine, culture, IQ, uh, culture IQ. Yeah. So tell me how you did that. Because obviously you've been, as you've grown, you guys have been really intentional to build a culture, hire towards values, set these objectives that everybody's aligned to, break it down for us and tell us what that looks like of how you've been intentional to make sure everybody feels a part of the organization, even though they're working all over. Yeah, I think you kind of touched on it earlier when you were talking about really making this remote team integrated and connected. Like that is so key. I cannot emphasize that enough. And we do still have a hybrid of, you know, traditional like contract-based work, you know, as a vendor that we're working with or whatever, that's very date-driven, clear objectives, done, you know, moving on. But when we talk about our employees or our contractors that are working with our clients, that's a team. Like that's somebody who you continuously need to be connecting with, doing video chats with, mm-hmm. having meetings with, providing updates to, getting updates from, setting expectations, making sure you're reaching them. You know, all of those things matter when you're working from your home. Mm-hmm. Because if you start to feel disconnected, you're going to act disconnected. Totally. And yeah. then there's going to be a disconnect. You know, it's just, it's, it, it like feeds into itself. So Practically for us, um, if I could get kind of more nitty gritty and less big picture, we get our team together four times a year face to face. That's a big investment. It's not all 700 though. Okay. When I say, so our corporate team is 62 employees now we get, yeah, it is still a, still a big investment. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And we do in between that we do on belay calls where every four to six weeks we're on a zoom all together. We're doing some kind of like team building activity, even on that call, we're providing updates, getting questions answered, celebrating wins, things like that. Um, we share information on workspace, which or workplace, sorry, which is like Facebook's application for businesses where we are doing announcements. Uh, we have our blade be well program in there. We have, um, highs, lows on Fridays that we share so people can see what's going on personally and professionally with each other. Awesome. Um, we do belay buddies, which this is key. Love this. So, um, this came, uh, actually my assistant and our HR manager, the ones who kind of facilitate this, it was such a smart idea. You know, when you're talking about 62 people on a distributed corporate team, not everybody's working with each other every day, every week, every month. Right. But we still feel like it's important for us to all be connected as a team so in, in order to build that culture. So what we've done is every other month you're paired up with a buddy that you wouldn't normally work with. And so we, we encourage them to do a 30 minute zoom. You can talk about work if you want. More importantly, talk about where'd you grow up? What are some of your hobbies and passions? Like just get to know each other. Like don't treat it so transactionally. Like we're just here to do a job. Like who wants that? Like really, truly connect with people so that when you are together face to face and some of them do go to lunch and have that 30 minute (laughs) call, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, But when we do get together four times a year, then I can say, Oh, Jenny, my buddy, you know, I didn't get to see you, you know, between the last time we talked, like how are, how are the dogs? Like whatever it is, because I think, you have to invest in the person and not just what they can produce for the company. Yeah. And I think that has been key to our culture. Um, I could go into like our core values and our mission and all of that sure. matters. I mean, we, we live it out every day. We mm-hmm. celebrate those stories. Yeah. Um, but I'm finding that like when I'm talking to people who are trying to get a, you know, their head around, how do you do this virtually? Some of the like nuts and bolts of like, mm-hmm how we're making this amazing culture when we don't see each other every day, it tends to resonate more. Like we even do virtual happy hours, you know, four 30 on a Thursday afternoon, grab yeah. a glass of wine or your sweet tea. Cause we live in the South. Let's just <laughs> right. come hang out on zoom and just shoot the breeze. Like That's so great. Yeah. Find those opportunities, make them happen. Yeah. And I think like, and where my mind is going as you were describing all of that is that as leaders, we've just got to think through, you know, in, if, when everybody's in a traditional office environment, they are, you know, they're the proverbial water cooler, right? Like they're, they're having their chit chat times, you know, as they're coming and going and they're, you know, catching up. I can remember, you know, the first office environment that I worked at, like the break room was where everybody like hung out for the first 15 minutes every day, getting their coffee and getting settled in. And those are still some of my best friendships are from that era of work. Now we got some extraordinary things done. I was working at the record company in Nashville. We were, you know, had some of the fastest growing, um, you know, or biggest selling records at the time and Christian music were happening under our watch, but we had real camaraderie as a team. Well, essentially we have to recreate those spaces virtually. And that's what you guys have kind of tapped into is I love that happy hour over zoom, you know, grab, grab your beverage and yep. just hang out for a minute. And it's not an agenda. It's actual just connection time. And I think just, you know, for us, those of us who are having to shift our mindset from traditional workspace to a hybrid or to fully, how'd you say it? 
fully distributed. Distributed. Thank you. Yep. I didn't get that. Um, yep. To fully distributed workforce, what? How do we re? How do we recreate those spaces? Mm-hmm. And you know, people are so comfortable now with technology. I remember this is this is a fun little caveat for everybody. I think you were the very first person that I've ever done a video call with, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> like if I think back to it, like you know, whatever eight or ten years ago to when we first connected, you said, "Well, hey, let's do a video call," and I was like. Oh, okay. You know, oh, sure. Yeah, I do this all the time. Sure. Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it was like, okay, this is new, but it was so good because obviously we developed a friendship that if we probably just done a phone call, may or may not have connected quite the same. But yeah. the tools that we have available to us really just make this much more possible. And uh, but we have to be intentional. And I think that's where this it sits on us as leaders to say. We can't just dismiss this. And, you know, again, as you said, this is just growing. The expectations around younger workers coming into the workforce, they want more flexibility. They want to be able to work from uh, someplace they love or where their family live. I mean, my work now, we moved close to family because I travel so much for work that I wanted home to be really simple. And I had, you know, I had a headhunter reach out a few months ago about a job and I was like, First of all, I've just launched my company, so I'm good. But even so, yeah. I'm not moving. And that was right. a non-negotiable for them. And I was like, well, cool. But like, I know I can work like this and it can, I can flourish and I can enjoy both the dynamics of being close to my family and doing work that I love. So yeah. uh, and, thanks and for being As an employer, I've seen so many like tangible benefits of a healthy team. Mm-hmm. Um, our retention rate is over 98%. People do not leave. Amazing. They do not leave. You'll hear that 98% retention rate. We, we budget for a 20% increase in our healthcare costs every year. We actually are paying less this year than we did last because our team is physically healthy. They have time to care for themselves. So, and yeah, they, they are able to prioritize their health in a way that I've had so many of them say, I couldn't do this before because I was in a car for two hours a day. Like sure. if you've got to choose between your, your commute, your career, your kids, your husband, your church, yourself, who's last your health. Like you're, it's just always going to get put on the back burner besides yeah. working out isn't fun for everybody. So yeah. I just think that there, <laughs> there are some really tangible benefits. We, we provide for, um, volunteer time off for our team so that they don't have to use their PTO to take a week and go volunteer. So they're able to connect in their communities or go to Africa on a mission trip or serve at their church or the animal shelter. They're, they're happy. And, and who, like for me as a, as a customer of many things in this world, I want to work with employees that are happy. I hate going to a restaurant when I see somebody who hates their job. Like you can tell, right? Like painful. Like give me Chick-fil-A. Come on. It's good. You know, like, so as an employer, I think you have to think about like some of the literal, physical, tangible benefits of remote work and then how that's going to translate to your customers. Yeah. Yes. Our customers know how incredibly happy and satisfied our team is. And we work hard to make sure that they are that way. We run to problems and challenges and make sure that, you know, things don't get left unresolved. And there is a no gossip policy in our company and like all these things, but our, our customers see the, the positive impact of that as well. Yeah. And you hit on this, but you guys have a culture of, you have a lot of clarity around roles and expectations, accountability, 
but you also create this connection and you are pouring into and investing in your team in really meaningful ways that allows them to have that quality of life that they desire. So I don't mm -hmm. want people to miss, you know, you just hinted at it, but there is some accountability and there is like clarity that is so key to, you know, them meeting the expectations and accomplishing mm -hmm. the things that they've been hired to do. But as a, as a, an employer, you guys are so intentional about how you're serving, supporting and giving back to them. So um, yeah, that's why number one in company culture. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we're not perfect, right? Like we've had, we've made bad hires. We've had to let people go. Um, but our philosophy is if you ever have to let a team member go, they should not be surprised. Of course. Yeah. They should not, it should not come out of the blue. Like they should, you as a leader, you should be working with them to identify the gaps and expectations and yeah. adjust accordingly. And if they can't, like it should be very clear what the next step is. So yeah. Yeah, even that, that kind of stuff, I think helps create a healthy culture because if you've got a bad seed, yeah, everybody else knows whether they're saying it or not. Right. Sure. <laughs> yes. And they're like, why are you not doing anything about this? But then know. it becomes the leader's deficit, right? Sure. It's, then it, then it's no longer about the employee. It's about why isn't this leader doing something about this? Are they yeah. oblivious? What's going on yeah. here? Yeah. So good. Awesome. There's probably like a whole nother conversation. Right. But Shannon, this has been so good. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for just modeling um, the third option, like modeling another way, both as an employee and as an employer that we need to be thinking about how to create um, great, great environments, great experiences for us, creating that third option. Why a woman doesn't have to choose between a career and family, but can actually have both and succeed. That's the name of the book. You all need to check it out. Even the guys that are listening, like I know it's geared to women because that's a lot of women find themselves in this place and that's right. Shannon's story. But I know a lot of guys resonate with this. And then as employers, it's just important for us to get it. So make sure to check out Shannon's book, The Third Option. And Shannon, how can we stay in touch with you beyond um, our conversation today? Yeah. So for me personally, I'm at Shannon K. Miles on Instagram. That's my favorite platform to engage with. Um, and then company wise, like if any of this is intriguing, as far as like you need help for your growing business, you can go to belaysolutions.com and check out the company there. Perfect. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. And Shannon, just thank you so much for being with us today. I am so grateful for you, your influence in my life. Um, you have been just a great friend and leader to me, but also just the work that you've done in creating opportunities for you guys, over 700 uh, team members that you guys are leading and then all the organizations you're serving and what they're, how they're benefiting because of it is just phenomenal. So thank you thank so you much. Thank you. It's been so good to see you. <laughs>